This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Hey, lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, kitten, unicorn, bunny, Dr. Cat. <sighs> and yesterday... I got my very first V-STEAM experience. Woohoo! And I was asked by my practitioner what my relationship was like with my vulva. And I had a st- I stopped a moment and I was like, uh, she's my best friend. <laughs> we talk all the time. In the morning, I say hi to her. I check in and I see how she's doing. And she tells me totally what's up. She tells me, even really what I want in life, even before my brain actually knows what to do. And if she had her own cell phone, I think we'd use all of her data in one week. (laughs) That's how much we communicate. And maybe this is because that's the line of work I'm in. I mean, our relationship hasn't always been this way, but it's definitely been something that we've developed into. And that makes me wonder what your relationship is like with your vulva. Your yoni, your pussy, your princess, your pearl, your flower, your Stella, or however you name her. Leave me a comment on iTunes or Instagram and let us know. (laughs) Kelly is on the show with us today. Kelly Garza. Kelly, how do you refer to your vulva? I actually like to call it my flower. Your flower. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's so amazing. Um, I remember going to this workshop for, it was, I think it was on Pussy Power. <laughs> and they were showing these images of flowers in nature and next to these images of our vulva. And it was so cool to see how synonymous they looked, you know, with all the folds and the beautiful, intricate complexity of both. Yeah, they look like exactly the same. Yeah, they're like the same. (laughs) So last episode, we talked about period health and coming off the pill. And this episode, we're continuing with the love of our vulvas, and we are getting a little more intimate with her. (laughs) I've got this steamiest chick out there, Kelly Garza, to give us the 411 on the powerful practice that's become a major boom in interest. Or maybe that's just in my little LA bubble. Yay! I love that. So before we get to Kelly, lovers, you are the reason that I do this show. I want to thank you for tuning in, for spreading the word, for leaving your epic reviews and trying some of the suggestions that we recommend. I've been getting epic feedback on the products that I love and that I use myself because my goal is to really help you to eat, play, and sex better. And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show, connect with me, and read more about how you can up-level your sex love and vitality. It's like my favorite things. (laughs) Today, (laughs) I'm laughing because, Kelly, I got this message on Instagram. I'm just going to put this out there. I was talking about sexual health, which is what I do every single day. And I got a comment from somebody who was like, don't you think, or the problem with people today is that all they do is think about sex, food, and sleep. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what I do. I talk about, I I think about sex and I think about food and I think about pleasure and how I can get more of those all day, every day. Hence the name of my podcast, Eat, Play, Sex. I didn't hear anything else from them, so I don't know. (laughs) Oh my God, yeah, that was interesting. I mean... I don't know what they expected to get out of that comment to you either. I don't either. Do you get weird comments on social media because of the work that you do? Yeah, yeah, all day long. Yeah, it's so... 
I think for those of us who work in the sexual health world and we talk about vulvas or we talk about our bodies, we are so vulnerable to getting all kinds of projections from people. And so I just want to commend you for doing this work and putting yourself out there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's part of it. I actually, um, I'm not that good with it because I'm always just reading it. Like, what are they, what are they expecting? (laughs) What's behind this? You know, like I'm reading into it. So I actually, um, I just got, I just hired a customer service person to respond to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) What is relevant, you know? Yeah, totally. Kelly Garza is the owner of Steamy Chick, the largest distributor of vaginal steam supplies in the U.S. And she educates the female world about vaginal steam education and trains educators from all over about the use of vaginal steam for menstrual and reproductive health and to further research on gynecological benefits reported by hundreds of customer case case studies. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Kelly is really at the forefront of professionalizing vaginal steam into an alternative medicine field known as parasteam hydrotherapy. Hydrotherapy, that's amazing. I love that word. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oof, I'm excited for this. Me too. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. I had been following you for a while and the on your Instagram, you even have accounts of people who like these quotes from people who've experienced V-steaming and how it's benefited them. And that's where I was like, what? is this like what (laughs) this is amazing and it's been i've been seeing it pop up more and more in articles around sexual health and so i just had to try this for myself and i did yesterday for the first time kelly (laughs) so i'd love to get into that and share what my experience was but can for our listeners can you tell them about what exactly is v-steaming okay sure okay just like the short of it v-steaming is squatting or sitting over a pot of steaming herbs that's that's what you're doing okay and of course you're you know naked So the steam is directly touching all of the gynecological organs. Okay, so it's touching the vulva, the yoni. And then the thing about steam is that steam knows how to get into crevices. (laughs) You know, it knows how to get in deep to the skin, right? Which is why, you know, this is steaming for facials because it it doesn't just um, clean the surface of the skin like how water does, but once it's turned into steam, the steam can actually clean into the cells right so the steam um, using steam to um, to do a, a treatment a vaginal treatment um, the steam is able to penetrate deeper and um, and the, it, according to to um, the case studies what happens when people steam it also appears that the steam ascends the vaginal canal and touches the bottom of the cervix right because at the top of the vaginal canal you get to the cervix which is great because, um, you know, there's a lot of women who end up with cervical issues, cervical cancer, polyps, and so on, right? And then we even have, um, I have, there's even cases where it appears that the steam directly enters into the tumor, okay? Um, and what the reason why we know this, the cervix has an opening in it, and um, the cervical opening, and it opens when we have our period, mm-hmm. but it can also open during orgasm. Um, and it also appears to open during vaginal steaming because a lot of times if somebody has um, like old residue in their uterus, if they have like you know, black or brown menses, that's a sign that they have some old menses, some old residue in there. Yeah. Um, when they steam directly after the steaming, they'll see brown spotting. They'll see that brown residue coming out, which means oh. that the steam has to be opening the cervical, the, cer- the cervical opening and getting into the uterus. Wow. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting. I was sitting on the pot, (laughs) sitting on the pot. That just sounds so bizarre. It was a very lovely pot. It was, 
<laughs> I had flowers around me and, and, and candles and little, little shakti <laughs> statue next to me. It was very lovely. Uh, but I could feel the steam it, it connect with the cervix. And I was thinking about that. I was like wondering if that, if I was just making that up or if it was a real thing, cause I'm very in tune with my cervix. I'm very in tune with the in, inside of my, uh, v- vaginal canal. And yeah. so it really does connect. So it, did you feel like it got warmer. Like you felt like a warmth right there. Yeah. Yeah. The temperature nice. sensation. Nice. And you did a short vaginal steam. Remember I talked to your practitioner, so I know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> did a short vaginal steam when you do it longer um if it's you know it, it depends on how long somebody needs it there's other factors that will determine like what the proper setup is but the longer you do it i remember this one lady did it and she goes oh yeah she goes oh i feel the steam going into my womb and i was like what like i had never thought about that before you know and i was just like what do you mean what does it feel like and she uh pointed to where and she said she felt like just the warmth in that area and she could just feel the steam in there like warming up the whole womb and i was just like that's interesting and i never said anything about it right because i hadn't noticed that myself mm-hmm. and so um and so uh, so i'm i'm like the opposite of you i am completely unaware <laughs> of what's going <laughs> on like it takes me a while to notice them but then later on, when I was doing a vaginal steam, the next time I started to, I noticed that sensation too. It was just like, it was like after like about the 20 minute mark, all of a sudden you just feel this warmth go uh-huh. into your center, you know? And I realized, oh shoot, that's what she was talking about. That was the steam. And now I've heard, you know, countless women um, record it. But, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the myths about vaginal steaming or one of the things that they use to debunk it is, oh, well, how could the steam even get into the uterus, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so it was interesting to me once I did start hearing, first of all, like the accounts of women that do feel um, the heat, uh, the, the, the warm sensation on their cervix or in their, in their womb. And then secondly, once I started to um, identify the proof that it's getting in there is when women have um, old residue in their period. So old mm-hmm. residue is going to be like brown or black blood. That's a sign that the uterus didn't get all the way clean and all the blood didn't come out there. Like stagnancy, the right? Yeah, it's like stagnation. Yeah. So anyhow, that old residue, that blood is just sitting there in the uterus all month long if it didn't come out during the period. And so once I was able to identify it, when people steam, uh, when people who have old residue steam they have that that brown that comes out directly after the steaming i was able to identify this is a physiological this is physiological proof that the steam is opening up the cervical Mm -hmm. opening right Mm -hmm. and getting into the uterus what would cause stagnation or the residue how would somebody have that so the majority of women so i surveyed like 2700 different women's um periods and over 90% had it. Like, I want to say it was honestly, it's over 95% of women had signs of um, brown or black blood. Um, mm-hmm. The other signs of it are also going to be clots and cramps. So um, those are all signs that the, that the uterus didn't get a full cleanse during, during the period. So here's like a term that I've you know been throwing around. The period, we call it a period, which actually I believe comes from um, the anthrop- anthropologists. Um, uh, in the early, in the 1800s, um, called the period a periodic illness. And I believe that's where we get the term uh, period from, although I haven't been able to prove that yet. Um, but, uh, so they used to call it a periodic illness. That's what men used to refer to women's periods as, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's actually a uterine cleanse. It's, an, it's a natural uterine cleanse that happens once a month. And because we're not in tune with that, even our word for it is actually just indicating, it's either a time indicator or an indicator that it's an illness, right? Oh, um, interesting. We don't really understand that it's a cleanse. And because we don't understand that it's a cleanse, I mean, we know what blood, we know what old blood looks like. I mean, everybody's, you know, cut themselves at some point or seen yeah. blood and turns brown. Well, it's the same in our period. If it's brown, it's old, <laughs> you know? How does so, somebody not, like, is there something that we do or we don't do that causes it to get stagnant or it causes it to not cleanse all the way out? 
Yes, improper period care. We are, because we don't understand it's a cleanse. Oh my gosh, Dr. Kat, we plug <laughs> it up. And Tell me. You plug it up with a tampon. That's what the majority of women do. So if you're trying to, okay, sorry. I'm going to give you a terrible example, but it really, it really um, make it so, you know, you understand. Okay. The, the, the colon cleanses out as well. That's when we have a bowel movement, right? What if we put a tampon in our rectum while we were having a bowel movement? Oh God. Right? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I'm like visualizing this is now Kelly. Thank you. I'm yes. so sorry, but I like said- that's what we're doing. When our uterus is trying to clean up, plugging it up with a tampon. And so that is like one of the main reasons why women end up with stagnation, right? But then in addition to it, we, um, we are empowered women. And part of our empowerment um, has been this message that we can do anything that men can do, right? Um, and so women also... Just kind of with that, unfortunately, we stopped taking care of ourselves. We stopped taking Mm -hmm. care of our uterus. We started to ignore it. We can do anything during our period and we should just ignore it. Well, you can't really do anything when you're having a bowel movement. It's just a moment where you are taking care of your body and you're having a (laughs) cleanse, right? Well, when we have our uterine cleanse, there's certain things that we need to do to take care, right? Um, so that we don't, so that we have a healthy cleanse. It's just kind of like when people don't drink enough water, they get constipated, right? Or mm-hmm. if they eat much spicy food, they may get diarrhea. But the same kind of stuff happens with the period. If people do the wrong things, they have heavy flooding. If they, if they do the wrong things, they have stagnation or the periods go away, right? It has to do with how we're taking care of ourselves, which is like, honestly, if you want to get into that, it's like a whole topic on its, you know, on its own. But basically, mm-hmm. during, the period, during the uterine cleanse, women need rest. We're creating, we're making more blood. We're, we're, our body has to cre- uh, make 50% more blood in order to do the uterine cleanse. So we need rest. We need additional nutrients. There are women that are just the healthiest women out there. They like to fast, you know, every so on or, or every once in a while, or they like to, you know, do different things, do cleanse, like say liver cleanses where they only drink, you know, cayenne and, and, um, and lemon juice. And they're doing it right there with their, with their boyfriend or with their partner, right through their period. Right. And what they're doing is they're causing during a woman's period, she needs additional nutrients and she especially needs like blood tonics, right to replenish Mm -hmm. and help her to create that more blood. But if she doesn't do those things, if she's fasting or doing a cleanse or running a marathon, she basically ends up with anemia and with stagnation and, or or possibly missing periods or with infertility. It just goes, the list goes on and on, but it's just a lot of improper period care just related to us not really having got the right information or a full picture of what a period is and that it is a uterine cleanse and there's certain things that you should do to take care of yourself. So, Oof, um, so great. more food, blood tonics, don't plug it up, let it flow out and rest. Those are, and warmth. So warm teas, warm soups, those are all really great during the period because they help to keep everything flowing and cold foods, like my absolute favorite period food is ice cream, but it's like a little worse because it constricts the area and the blood will turn from red to, to, to brown, you know, when you have like cold foods like that. So what I'm hearing is a lot of permission, permission to tune into the body and what the body needs. Let the body be intelligent for you. I remember the first time that I had like black or blood or brown, you know, coming out and I was like, oh my God, I think I'm dying. Like my old insides are falling out. And my gynecologist was like, "Mm, no, you're okay. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. So you, again, you were mentioning you have that, you know, you have you're very in touch with your body. So you knew there was something wrong and women will ask their gynecologist. I had the exact same experience. And they said, no, that's normal. Yes. Yes. So they're contributing to us now having these really unhealthy uteruses, right? Right. And they, and partially they're right. Cause it is normal. It's just not healthy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you know, you were just, I think you mentioned that you had a show on the pill. The yes. pill is one thing that causes, it can cause a healthy 
uterus, a healthy cleanse to go directly, like immediately from red to black, you know, or to brown to black and then, and then possibly go away. I think 30% of the people who are taking birth control, their period goes away. Um, and so the doctors don't really know why they just say, oh yeah, it's just one of the things that happens. Right. But what I've noticed is that what I've observed through surveys is that the period doesn't just go away. It turns from red to brown to black, and then it goes away. So it basically stops the uterine cleanse. And then the women who are able to take birth control and still have their periods, whatever they're doing, you know, maybe they don't eat a lot of ice cream or maybe they don't plug it up or, you know, whatever it might be that they're doing, somehow they're able to still manage to have a uterine cleanse. Yeah. So doctors aren't looking at a lot of indicators that I really think for sure. And what I love about what you do is is the V steaming is is an alternative way that women can help with the gynecological issues. What type of gynecological issues might V steaming be helpful for? Right. So steaming, um, steaming helps get the full uterine cleanse. Okay. So, um, so when somebody steams before the period, then it helps to loosen everything up. The steam helps to just loosen everything up. And then when the period comes, what happens is, uh, usually that first period after steaming, a woman will see more old residue come out like clots and brown blood, black blood, gooey, sticky, black Tar. This I mean, is the most part? beautiful image podcast I've done. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. It's women great. All kinds of stuff that comes out of them. And I'm over here just like, what? Ah. <laughs> now I know what to expect, but oh my gosh. Like at first I was just like, what came out of you? <laughs> right? Like, so anyways, women report all of this shit that comes out of their uteruses. Okay. And, um, and then after that, their next period ends up being fresh red blood. Hmm. So what, what, how this helps gynecological issues and illnesses is that when they have that fresh red blood, that's a sign that they have a, that their uterus is getting a full cleanse. And guess what? There's no more cramps because the cramps are actually cramps. It's not, the, it's not a muscle that is cramping up and can't function. It's actually cramps are contractions. It's the uterus trying to contract out all of that old stuff in there that didn't get out, right? And the uterus is trying to contract it out. Meanwhile, there's a tampon, you know, that's not allowing it to come out, right? So that's why women have contracting during their period. That's the uterus's function to push something out. It should only happen for a baby. But if the uterus gets um, gets uh, stagnant and has old residue in there, then it will happen during a period as well. That's the uterus being the warrior. You know, she chimes in. She's going to get that stuff out of there. She's going to try. Yeah, and it's girl. so funny because you have all these like Instagram memes where people are like, my uterus is trying to kill me. And I'm like, I wonder what your uterus is right now. <laughs> 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 <What are> doing? <laughs> That's such a great point. Oh my God. There are memes like that where it's like, uh, my uterus hates me. I mean, I used to be one of those girls though, too, and saying that we didn't have a good relationship. And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm on my, I'm on my moon cycle. I use moon cycle. And I was like, I'm on my moon cycle. Don't talk to me. We're just like in an argument right now. <laughs> We're in in a debate. (laughs) We're in a debate. I'm losing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, anyways, gynecological illnesses that can happen as a result of stagnation buildup, endometriosis, fibroids, polycystic ovarian syndrome, even like there's a lot of what? Yeah, a lot of really happen because um, because the uterus. Okay, so. Here's the thing. If the uterus gets itself cleared out, if it's getting its cleanse, the uterus can just function however the hell it's supposed to function. It's, I mean, some of our hormones are made right in the ovaries, right? The, um, uh, the um, what are they? estrogen and progesterone are both made right in the ovaries, right? So now if the uterus is all blocked up, what does that do to our hormone levels in the uterus, right? Like everything breaks down when the uterus isn't cleared out. When the uterus isn't getting its cleanse. And so just cleaning out the uterus 
helps the uterus to be able to do whatever it's supposed to do. Mm. And so it's really funny, like, because people will be like, well, how can it help with hormones? And how can it help with infertility? And I'm just like, because the uterus can do what it's supposed to do. It's, it, it, it improves the uterus's own function, right? But then the other thing is um, uh, clearing out the stagnation is really useful for infertility. Because what mm. happens with infertility is that doctors, I, I'm talking about unexplained Doctors will diagnose somebody with unexplained infertility if she hasn't got pregnant in one year, um, if she hasn't naturally got pregnant with one year of trying, okay? And so um, so then what doctors do is they will then refer somebody to a fertility expert. So the fertility expert will look at, what they look at is the timing. They actually assume that the sperm and the ovum are not needing. Right. Because what they do is they so they assume that either they're not healthy, the sperm and the and the ovum aren't healthy and they check to make sure that they're healthy. And then they also just assume that they're not meeting in the uterus at the right time, because all of the treatments, it's um, in vitro fertilization and intrauterine uh, insemination. Those are the two most common ones. They are taking the sperm and the ovum and putting them together. Um, so. In one, they just um, they make sure that the that the that the egg is in the uterus, and then they put the sperm in there at the right timing. Um, but then the other one, they take them, they take the sperm out of the man, they take the ovum out of the woman, then they put them together, and then they put it in the uterus. Well, both of those are just assuming that the sperm that the problem is with the sperm or the ovum, right? Mm-hmm. What about after conception? After those two come together? then it has to implant in the uterine wall. Mm. Oh, yes. If it doesn't implant in the uterine wall, then there's no pregnancy. Well, if the uterine wall is packed with old blood, then we have a problem, right? Wow, I never... If the uterine wall is packed with old blood, then you can't have implantation. So that's why IVF, IVF with the absolute best case scenario... They like young women, you know, like five and so forth. When you put together the absolute best scenarios, they only have a 30% chance of success. And what I've seen, what I've observed with have unexplained infertility is that every single one of them has brown blood. Every single one of them has clots, cramps, you know, some some type of indicator of stagnation in there, and that their uterus is, you know, is 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 locked up. They, their uterine walls aren't in a, aren't favorable for for fertilization, right? They can't mm-hmm. for implantation, and so um, so people get pregnant very easily after vaginal steaming simply because of what I said, where they steam before the period, and then all of that old gunk comes out, all of the ghosts come out, all of those yesteryear you know periods that the blood that should have come out years ago comes out, right? And then what happens? They get pregnant, and then they the pregnant the pregnancy is successful because again, women, you know, a lot of times women know exactly when their ovulation is and mm-hmm. they are getting the timing right. But the reason why they're not getting pregnant isn't because of the timing. You know, that, rem- that reminds me of like right now, I just had this image of uh, I've been going through house cleaning and like purging out all my closets because when there's so much stuff here, I short, I literally short circuit. I try yeah. to do work here and I'm like, uh, I'm just too stressed out because there's just so much crap here. And, yeah. then, and But then once I clean everything out, I feel so much more energized and alive and like getting yeah. things done and like going, yeah. going. Yeah. Anything can happen. So my vulva is like that. You just need a spring clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our uteruses need a monthly clean. <laughs> That's our spring cleaning is every month. Yes. <laughs> so would you say for somebody on, on maintenance, you're talking about, you know, especially to help with the full cleansing of the, um, uh, the menses, what is it, when is the best time for somebody to do that on if their somebody- cycle? Yeah, if somebody has signs of stagnation, um, mm-hmm. then it's best for them to steam before and after the period. So after the period as well, because a lot of times the period might start with brown and then it might turn to red and then it might end on brown, right? Mm-hmm. So what I like is um, like three days before the period is expected or say, let's say five days before the period is expected, steam three times in a row and then just stop steaming and let the period come. 
but let it let the cleanse happen. Don't plug it up with tampons. Make sure to eat warm foods and, and avoid cold foods, right? And rest and let your body, you know, let your body rest and nourish yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And then then what they'll usually see is a, a bigger cleanse, like all that stagnation coming out. And then once it turns, once that there's no more red and it turns to brown again, they can actually see because if they're if they're bleeding brown blood. Then first of all, this is a sign that the period, the fresh red blood that's being sent to the uterus is, is over. Okay. But now if they still have this brown hesitant finish, this is a sign that their uterus did not get all the way clean. And also their cervix is open. Their cervix mm-hmm. is open. That's why it's still coming out. So mm-hmm. you use that opportunity when the cervix is still open to steam that brown stuff out. Mm, amazing uh, and then once you steam that brown stuff out then the next period has this chance to start on fresh red blood right Mm -hmm. because you don't want to leave that old brown stuff yeah yeah you know my oh go ahead it takes i'm just gonna say it takes like it takes it can take three to six months of doing this before the uterus gets entirely clean and the sign that it's entirely clean is that it's going to begin and end on fresh red blood and there wouldn't be any cramps Ooh, I'm, I'm all for that. All for that. Yeah. In my experience yesterday, it was a, it was a short steam and (laughs) so interesting. I, um, I've been experiencing some, some symptoms of my vulva and, uh, spoke with my gynecologist and she thinks that I might have, uh, BV, which is, uh, one of the things that V steaming helps with is what I was reading. And then I also, um, sometimes my my cycle can be a little irregular and uh, did the V-steaming yesterday. I wasn't supposed to start until next week. And then all of a sudden started my moon cycle today. And I'm thinking, did my V-steam, <laughs> you know, like help me out there to move, move that along? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, happy moon, happy moon time. Yay! It is a happy one. It is a happy moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, so how is your, how is your period, like what menstrual cycle day are, was yesterday? Like what day would today be? So today would be, I think, one or two, depending Today's on. Today's menstrual cycle day one. Yes. Uh-huh. Day of your period. But what, yes. how, how, what was day, what was yesterday? Like how, how long was the cycle? Oh, I think it was, honestly, I think it was about 20. I'd have to look it up, but it was like 27, but usually I do about 30, 30 days. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was only a few days early. Yeah. So you started on, it sounds like you started on like day 28 or so. So that's that's perfectly normal. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was... It was also reading where people could experience V-steaming. I mean, we're talking about the healthy periods and endometriosis, which is amazing, by the way. But then there's also these psychological experiences that I'm seeing, um, where in some of your blogs, you talk about using V-steaming for sexual trauma, healing, right? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Well, okay. So it's interesting, like Dr. Kat, I don't know if you've ever been through like, um, you know, sexual abuse. Personally, I was, I was raped when I was 20. Mm -hmm. And so it was very interesting what happens afterwards. Right. So you, I, I was actually, I had to do a police report. The police report sent me to the gynecologist. They didn't really touch me much. They just got a sample of the ejaculate, right? Mm-hmm. At, for, for forensic evidence. And then they sent me home to shower. <laughs> and then oh, they recommended that I come back for STD testing. So and you to come back. Oh my yeah. God. And me. I was referred to, uh, uh, to a, a psychologist or a, um, what do you call it? a psychiatrist. And I was offered antidepressants. So... Oh. <laughs> So that was the extent of the treatment. I didn't really receive anything, right? We got what we needed for like the forensic evidence. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I was offered as a result was antidepressants, which are drugs, right? So um, so that was the extent of the experience. But now, okay, later on thinking about it, what I've seen 
And and so again, this is I've just I've worked with a lot of women and I've done a lot of period surveys. And so what I see is that women who have had rapes and negative sexual experiences, this is how it affects them them physiologically. Um, they have missing periods. Okay, one thing that can happen is missing periods. Another thing that can happen is really are really really painful cramps, the kind of cramps where. You know the type when your girlfriend passes out on the floor and you have to call the ambulance, like that kind of thing, or they're in the bathroom throwing up because the cramping has, you know, is making them vomit. Like just the really Mm. bad cramps. They're very, so there's a strong correlation between sexual abuse and really, really bad cramps. Okay. Um, There's then the, um, then the other one is, um, is infections are infections. So women, there's a strong correlation between people who have sexual abuse in their past and infections. And infections, um, they actually tend to be when somebody was molested or, and they haven't actually, nobody even knows that something happened, right? And that they're repressing it. So, um, so missing periods, bad cramps, infections, and then the next one could be um, scar tissue and tearing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in really bad situations, there's going to be scar tissue or tearing. So, uh, or tearing and then scar tissue as a result, right? So these are all physiological repercussions of sexual abuse. So what do women receive? Antidepressants. How does that make sense? We're not helping the woman, right? We're not helping her get her period back. We're not helping get rid of the infections or the terrible cramps. It's not even looked at. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. insane. So um, so I learned, um, so, okay, I um, work with uh, one of my clients. Um, she, was, uh, she was kidnapped when she was like 13 or 14. And she was in... Um, she was a hostage for a year and, um, and part of some type of a sex, uh, you know, some type of a sex circle where she was sure, like a prost- cult. Yeah, pro- yeah. Where she was prostituted for a mm-hmm. year. And she, um, mm-hmm. she, she managed to one time when her captor was uh, drunk, she hit him with a frying pan and she escaped and ran out and, you know, bless her heart, little 15 year old managed mm-hmm. to get herself to the police station and escape from that situation. Okay, wonderful. It was a happy ending, right? Except for that she has infertility and scar tissue and terrible cramps and infections. <laughs> okay? Oh, okay? Right? Mm-hmm. None of that is ever dealt with. And she has, you know, she goes to the gynecologist regularly. She has health care. She has all of this. And she's a very highly functioning person. You know, she has a job. She has a family now. But she can't get pregnant, Dr. Cat. And she has infections two or three times a month. She has infections, right? And when she, and she has pain, she has pain with her loving husband. She has pain during sex every time with penetration because of the scar tissue that was left over. Yeah. So in every single way she has, she has like overcome, you know, this hardship that she went through, except for that nobody has helped her with her period. Nobody has helped her with the repercussions of that captivity, right? So it, it's just, it's, it's really interesting because there is a really high correlation between sexual abuse and these specific um, physiological um, uh, repercussions of it, right? So anyhow, I've been, I've, I've been working with this woman. I worked with her and her scar tissue actually came out. The scar <gasps> tissue she had on her, in her vaginal canal on her cervix, it came out. So she what? still has a little bit of scar tissue on her cervix, but she says it's getting softer and softer. But so the, the main scar tissue actually just came out and it looked like um, dried up meat, like dried up, like it was just dried up like skin tissues. And this is Dr. Cat, where I'm always over here like, what's coming out of you? You know, like, I don't know oh what to God. expect, right? But I had actually worked with somebody else who had scar tissue and she said the same. She said it was, there was, uh, it looked like dried skin or like jerky that was coming out of her. And I was oh just God. like, oh my God, right? <laughs> and so I did, this was, I had heard that before. And so when her case, when she had this dried stuff coming out, I was just like, okay, yeah, that's the scar tissue. And it was all on the vaginal canal on her cervix. And because of it, doctor said she would never be able to get pregnant because the sperm wouldn't even be able to enter her cervix because it was so mm-hmm. scarred over. Well, she was able to within uh, within five or six months 
clear out the majority of the scar tissue, get rid of the infections that happened every time she had sex with her husband. She was able to enjoy and have, uh, have sex without pain for the first time with her husband. And that one started immediately. It didn't even take that long. Um, and so over, and she was able to get rid of all the cramps and terrible periods that she had. And within six months, she was pregnant. And that baby is like two or three months old. And she is so sweet. And she was per- she was perfect. She was born perfect. Oh, my God. That's such a great story. Yeah. So oh. now she works with other, um, she works with other sex, tra- uh, so, sorry, word, sex trafficking survivors. Mm-hmm. And she was working with this Haitian woman. And, um, and she said, hey, don't you think that we should do vaginal steaming? Um, for, do you think we should like do vaginal steaming for the survivors? They're, they're in like this, um, like this house, you know, where they're, um, getting reintegrated and, um, the Haitian woman goes, what they haven't steamed yet. So now a little bit of backstory, vaginal steaming is commonplace in Haiti. It's just a common practice. Okay. That's one of the places in the world where it's, it's not strange and women have been able to keep it alive since, um, since so so vaginal steaming goes back um women it's like the original women's health care and it got cut cut off when um when men took over as doctors and started delivering babies for women they didn't know about vaginal steaming so they didn't integrate it but um so we have this this breach in our history but haiti is one of the places where there's never been a breach it's 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 always been in use it continues to be in widespread use so this Haitian woman who's working with sex traffic survivors couldn't believe that the women hadn't done vaginal steaming because according to her in Haiti, the very first thing that would happen when a girl is sexually abused is that she would have a vaginal steam. Wow. Yeah. And, and it makes so much sense because vaginal steaming specifically, it can clear out. One thing that I recall is that I was showered over and over again and that I had a smell on me. I had the scent of the, of the, of the uh the aggressor on me and i couldn't get it off and um vaginal steaming immediately takes out the sperm and helps to change that scent you know like it, it's like you smell like yourself again you know and you, you're, and you smell like a flower <laughs> that's why oh. i call it a flower and so even just something like that i mean because that's psychological that's messing with you when you all of a sudden you know you have that scent with you Mm-hmm. So there's like so many things that, that, um, that there's so many reasons why vaginal steaming is useful for, for, um, survivors of sexual abuse. And then not only that, I mean, negative sexual experiences, like right. I mean, real people have negative sexual experiences, even in, you know, loving partnerships. Right. So anytime there's a negative sexual experience, I definitely recommend vaginal steaming. Mm. And, and you and I had talked before the show started about uh, steaming for sexual pleasure as well. So we're talking about negative sexual experiences. Does this also help with increasing pleasure or our experience? Well, according to what women say, it does. <laughs> I get, and these are these are of course way more fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I remember this lady. She comes into. I have a Facebook group, the Steamy Chick Vaginal Steam Forum. She came into the forum and she goes. Okay, she goes, no, I'm 50. She goes, and I haven't had a libido for a long time. She said, and I was fine with it. She said, for me, I just felt like I was in my womanhood. I didn't need men anymore. She says, it wasn't a part of me that I even missed. She goes, so I just had my first vaginal steam. She goes, a couple days ago, and she goes, it woke me up like a lion. Like I'm going to take any man who crosses oh my, my path down and just say, excuse me, sir, just relax and enjoy the ride. Like she oh was going on and on and we were just all laughing. And all of the women started chiming in. Yeah, me too, me too. My man says this, my man says my, my vagina, uh, the muscles are tighter, you know, they're more, um, there's, it's more moist. One, one interesting um, thing that happens is cervical mucus when a woman is steaming she has more um, of that clear nectar that serve that good cervical mucus she'll end up producing a lot more and i spoke to your friend kieran kishan kishan mm-hmm. about it and he 
believes that the stevian is actually stimulating the, there's, I think, two bacteria that are in charge of um, creating that cervical mucus. He believes that if women steam and they have a higher, they have more of that fertile cervical mucus, then that must mean that steaming is stimulating that bacteria to be able to create it, right? So we don't know, there hasn't been any, there haven't been uh, formal clinical studies on vaginal steaming. So we're not exactly sure all of, exactly how all of the science behind it works, but we have so many case studies that are oh. just, you know, really showing, um, really showing that it has a lot of potential as a women's health um, treatment protocol. Mm. That's all natural. I mean, Dr. Kat, you know, we're LA girls. We like our, nat- <laughs> we like our smoothies, you know, all natural. We like our food organic. We like, I mean, there's even like, um, you know, all natural dentistry and all kinds of stuff like that, right? We definitely, you know, our skincare has to be all natural. But it's, it's the trend, like it's what we're into um, because we realize that it's healthier. Um, yeah. Well, what about gynecology? What's our all natural option? This is it. This is the all natural gynecology. And the really cool thing about it is, you know, like a lot of these all natural trends, this one goes back to the beginning of time. We found records of it in Babylonian medicine. We found it in the first gynecological books that were written in the early, you know, um, I think goes back to the 1200s, 1200s, one of the first gynecology books that was written um, by a female uh, Italian doctor. And in every single page of the book, she she's talking about vaginal steaming to address, you know, the different issues. So it's, it's a really old practice. It, um, and the really cool thing is it's universal. Women have been using it all over the world. I've found over 40 different countries where, um, where I've heard firsthand accounts of vaginal steaming. So it's actually a really widespread practice that all women were using at some point. So that's amazing to hear because if we, so I'm like, oh, this is like a new trendy thing. And you're like, no, this has been around for a really long time. Catch yeah. up, cat. I know. Yeah. And, and yet I read articles or I see videos where people are giving all these myths about uh, vaginal steaming. They're like, oh, it's not doing anything for you. It's just a you know farce and all this stuff. Right, right, right. Some myths that you could bust for us out there? Yeah, sure. Well, okay, like what, ha- okay, here's where a lot of it is popping up, and I believe probably what you're seeing is okay, Gwyneth Paltrow does vaginal steaming, and okay. she, she, um, she wrote an article about it on her Goop website about the, uh, the vaginal steaming that she does, and she recommended it for women. And when she wrote that, the media was like, did she just say vagina? <laughs> they went haywire. They went crazy. They went buck wild talking mm-hmm. about Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina and like, oh, you know, just saying the worst stuff. Okay. Why uh, do people pick on her? I don't they, understand. I mean, like they, if you want to talk about like, um, Words like synonyms for the word vagina. Oh my gosh! Every single one came out like in the press from hoo ha to like just every single thing they could say about vaginas came out. But part of it has to do with like this shaming that women have for um, taking care of ourselves or addressing yeah. our vagina in a way that isn't sexual. You know what I mean? Like porn mm-hmm. is accepted. How come like how come cleaning your vagina isn't right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like dude, I don't know. I, I really do, you know, sometimes think about what's behind it and why so quickly women um you know get get attacked, you know, when they're trying to do something that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Clearly women have problems, right? <laughs> you know, it's not oh, like we're all walking around with healthy periods. So you know like we're trying to do something, um, you know, anyways, the first thing ha- that happens is it gets attacked. And so, um, so yeah, so in 2015, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, she published an article that she does vaginal steaming and she recommended it. And so since then, um, a bunch of articles came out where, um, where what would happen was a journalist would call a doctor and say, Gwyneth Paltrow says that women should steam their vagina. What do you think about that? And the doctor would usually respond, uh, what? I've never heard of it, but we're going to do it. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. like the different, um, the different responses that the, these doctors who knew nothing about it had, um, were from, it could kill you. Uh, they said it could potentially kill a woman by causing oh, an God. embolism. Embol- I forget what it's called. Embolism. 
Yeah. Isn't it? Because you're not supposed to blow air up there. So they were saying if you're, you know, vaginal steaming could potentially <laughs> kill somebody. Um, they were saying uh, it's, it's going to burn you. Um, and you don't want to burn that area because you could cause problems. Um, it could cause. So uh, let's see. Um, somebody was saying, uh, one of the doctors said, uh, this is uh, medieval. Um, these are medieval practices and, uh, and, and it's probably dirty. There's going to be dirty hands and you wouldn't want to do something like that. Um, as well as uh, herbs, you know, we don't know anything about herbs and herbs can be dangerous and you shouldn't put them in the vagina, you know, and then um, the last one, and this is the one that really held on. So in 2015, there were all these responses, but then the one that really held on and that people um, continue to use is that uh, this one doctor, her name is uh, Jen Gunter, Dr. Jen Gunter. She mm-hmm. said vaginal steaming um, is going to introduce uh, heat and moisture into the vagina, into the vagina. And, uh, since the vagina, since the climate is already moist, doing a vaginal steam is going to cause yeast or bacteria infections. Mm. That was her, um, that was her take on it. Now, this is somebody who doesn't know anything about vaginal steaming, has never worked with it, doesn't, hasn't seen any case studies or any medical studies about it, right? Because the, there aren't any medical studies about it. But she is a doctor and she gave her opinion that, and she theorized, you know, that possibly it could cause a problem for yeast infections or bacteria infections. And what's really important to remember is that this was just a theory, <laughs> you know? No, this was no. just her giving, you know, just off the top of her head, thinking why maybe it wouldn't be a good idea. Um, so that's the one, that's the main one that people say why women shouldn't vaginal steam. But what I, what my response here is like, um, first of all, there aren't any cases of anybody steaming and then getting an infection. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen, right? So her theory just isn't true in that it hasn't proved proved to be true, right? Um, women steam all over the world and have steamed all over the world for thousands and, thousands and thousands of years. And you'd think if it caused infections, we probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, you know, here in the U.S. and in, in the Western world, we are just learning about vaginal steaming, but it's not because we didn't stop it because it was causing infections. We stopped it because it was, um, it was, it was oppressed. It was repressed. Um, basically midwives, Midwives used to always do, they used to do vaginal steaming and they used to do women's care. And in the 1800s, midwives became illegal. In fact, midwifery is still illegal. And I believe nine of the United States, it's illegal for a midwife to deliver a baby. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that's how far reaching those laws were. And the laws were specifically aimed at getting women to go to doctors. All the doctors were men at the time and going to hospitals um, to deliver their babies rather than midwives. And so there were midwives that were put into jail. There were some that were put to death. They were stoned to death and so forth called witches. So, I mean, it was, it was specifically repressed, right? So again, we can't come to, well, the whole reason why we left it behind was because it wasn't valuable. That's not why we left it behind. It was specifically um, the midwives who administered the vaginal steaming were targeted and had to go underground and stop doing practices. That's why we don't know about it, right? So anyways, um, so there's no, there's no evidence that vaginal steaming um, causes vaginal infections. And in fact, the opposite happens. Vaginal steaming, there are so many case studies. Now, I've worked with thousands of women, and they use vaginal steaming to get rid of their infections. And here, I'll give you some more theory behind it. Yes. So what happens is... Um, What I've noticed, the correlation with all the surveys I've done is that when women have infections, they also have what I call irregular vaginal discharge, okay? So irregular discharge is going to be green, yellow, uh, smelly, white, thick. All of that is, is I consider, irregular vaginal discharge. The only discharge that you want is that clear nectar that smells good, that for Mm -hmm. fertile stuff, right? So anyhow, um, so, so there's a strong correlation between people who have bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections, as well as HPV and cervical cancer and this irregular discharge. So in noticing that, I started to think about this discharge. This discharge is mucus, right? And so I was thinking about the mucus as it comes out of your nose. You know when you're sick and you blow, somebody blows their nose, you know that has germs in it. 
know it has the bacteria in it, the virus in it, right? You would never touch somebody else's tissue because you know you would get sick with it, right? So I started to think about it. I said, well, the germs are in the mucus. The germs are in the irregular mucus. So what I do when women have this irregular discharge and, and infections, I don't actually treat the infections. What I do is I treat the discharge. So I clear out all of the discharge. And then once the discharge is cleared out, the discharge has the virus in it. It has the bacteria or yeast in it. And so once it clears out, then the infection goes away and it doesn't come back because that mucus is a really favorable environment for the microbe, whether it's the bacteria, virus, or yeast to proliferate and to grow. So if you, if you just take antibiotics and you clear the infection, that's fine because it goes down. But in, if you leave that, all that irregular mucus in there, then it's just going to grow back. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's so that's brilliant. what I, that's what I do. That's my, that's my, you know, this is, again, this is just my theory, but that's what I do when I work with women to clear up their infections. I have them steam consecutively and get all of that discharge out. And the results are that for the vast majority of them, even people who have chronic infections where they have two or three per month, they've done all the antibiotics, they've done the yeast, you know, the yeast uh, pills, whatever it is that they take for that. They've done it, right? And um, and when they do this, this steam treatment to get all of the mucus out, um, the infections go away and never come back. And it's incredible. Like it's changing oh. these women's lives because... You're, you're, you're sexy, Dr. Cat, right? So you're all about sex. A lot of women get their infection every time after they have sex. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> these women, I mean, a lot of them are really upset because they're not able to have sex with their partner without having, you know, an infection. And so this change, this is a game changer. This is amazing. I get this a lot from women and they come into my office and then they end up having, you know, whether it's anxiety or around sex or they uh, yeah. lose their desire for it because they don't want to be in pain for the next week and a half. Right. And, and it can perpetuate these, these intimacy issues even. So what you're giving women is it's a very empowering tool to help themselves heal. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's the cool thing about it, Dr. Cat. Like honestly, um it's just we have we can do it in our we can do it at our house. We can do it in our bathroom. You know, you can get your own vaginal steam sauna or you can go to a spa and have it done and you have this all natural method that addresses every problem that women go to the doctor for. Mm. And that's incredible. And so I don't, I'm not discrediting doctors on saying that doctors aren't useful to women, but I mm -hmm. do think that if you can heal yourself naturally and address some of the, use steam to address the causes for it. I, I always like, my advice to women is take three to six months and work with vaginal steam therapy and, mm -hmm. and try to address the problems that way. And honestly, in almost all of the cases, over 99%, um, the problems go completely away. I mean, to the point that women are canceling their surgeries. You know, we had um, recently one of my practitioners was working with a, 20, a, a, a girl in her 20s who's considering doing a hysterectomy. She hasn't had kids oh yet. <gasps> and she's going to do a hysterectomy where they're going to take out the uterus because her endometriosis pain is so unbearable. And the doctors are saying she's already tried everything that they've given her. And the only other thing that they have for her is a hysterectomy. And she just wants to do it to get out of that pain, right? She did three vaginal steam sessions and then had her period and she had zero pain. Now, this is somebody who has had endometriosis since she started her periods. She's now been suffering for over 10 years with this problem. And after this steam sessions she was she was able to have a completely free period well her period wasn't completely clean and my practitioner is going to continue to work with her to get her you know all of that old residue out she had a lot of old residue that cleared but she still has more to go mm -hmm. but it took away the pain which wow. means that she no longer is so desperate to get out of pain that she's going to do a hysterectomy and she has chances of now having a healthy pain-free period, having a healthy uterine cleanse every month and being able to have children. Oh my God. That's so brilliant. Oh, I want, I, this episode, I'm just blown away with everything that you've brought in and it's addressing all of these issues that are perpetuating why we have a difficult relationship around our sexuality. 
And you've made it very easy for people to get started even. I think in your opt-in, you have a tutorial for women, right? Yes. Okay. So people always hear, and and right now, I mean, there are so many stories. There's thousands of women steaming now, and they are all over Facebook and Instagram talking about the positive um, experiences they're having with it. Okay. Uh But there are two things. Number one, you have to be using the right herbs. Mm. Number two, you have to be steaming. Sorry, there's three things. You have to be steaming with the right setup for the right amount of time. So some people need to steam for 10 minutes and they shouldn't steam longer. If they do, it could cause a problem. And some people need to steam for 30 minutes and they need to steam that long in order to be able to resolve the issues, right? So there's just, there's different, there's different uh, lengths of time. And then the last thing is uh, there's different days that women need to steam. Some women, they have ovulation pain that's so bad that they um, have to take, you know, that they have to call in sick. Well, in those cases, I have them steam around ovulation. For other women with period pain, I have them steam before and after the period. When it comes to infections, we do it different. Like there's a different protocol. So mm-hmm. I've developed, I think like 15 or 16 different vaginal steam protocols. I call this vaginal steam therapy. And yes. so I train practitioners to do intakes with women and to be able to put together a protocol that's going to be able to get her what I call the perfect period. Okay, mm, so I love it. Clean uterus. So, um, so I do recommend um, either working with a practitioner or trying my tutorial. I have a tutorial on my website and it's completely free and you could go through and it asks you questions about the period and then we'll give the steam recommendations and the herbs and the amount of time um, that would be uh, the right protocol. Uh, based on that woman's period. So, um, so that's the main thing is that I do want, I always want people to tailor the steam uh, plan according to their period. And I want women to commit three to six months. Now you see the results right away, right? But then you want to continue until you have that clean uterus and completely pain free, or there's no more endometriosis and so forth. And, uh, you know, there's just, there's nothing there's nothing that it hasn't resolved so far. Scar tissue, ovarian cysts, um, infertility issues, um, HPV. We're having more and more cases where, again, HPV, um, there's a strong correlation between HPV and infections. And so I train my practitioners how to treat the infections of the irregular dis- discharge. And when these women go, women, when these clients go in for their um, HPV uh, tests, their retesting, none of them have it. So far, we don't know any case of somebody who's been done the vaginal steam plan who's then gone for the follow-up for HPV and still had it. It just wow. goes away. Oh, that's right. amazing. So it's just thing after thing. And then I've even had three cases of women who had cervical cancer who, who uh, used steaming. Um, they were using it for different reasons, uh, a couple to get rid of the infections and then one to get rid of her uh, painful periods, the cramps. And um, their cervical cancer went away. And they weren't doing anything. Uh, there, there was nothing different that they were doing. They were all yeah. um, scheduled to do uh, chemotherapy. So, oh, I mean, there's just, and I mean, I can't, we have no, no evidence or no studying. Like, I, again, I wasn't, you know, working with these people in a, like, you know, in a lab or in like mm-hmm. in a controlled right. environment. Um, but there, it just seems to be, it just seems to be like a really, really empowering tool for us women to have. And I do think it's like the first step of gynecology because clearing out that mucus, uh, clearing up that old residue, these things help the uterus and the vagina to function better. I and, love it. Yeah. And, and be able can... to look at our overall health and our hormonal balance and so on. Mm, all around. And how can people find you so that they can get started on this path for themselves and your I'm practitioners? At, I'm at steamychick.com. Of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. where you can also find your tutorial. I'll include all of this in the show notes for anybody who's listening right now. So you can have easy access to all this yum, amazing blogs and information that she has for you. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on with me today. Is there anything else that you'd want to put out there or um, how they can find you? Um, thank you for having me on Dr. Kat. Um, yeah, just reach out to me on steamychick.com. I'm also, you know, you, you can look for steamy chick on Facebook and Instagram too. I'm everywhere. And, um, and it was just really a pleasure. This is something that, um, you know, I really believe when women, um, 
when women take care of themselves, that's when they have, um, that's when they have the best sex. Do you know oh, what I mean? Like when women absolutely. are healthy, then their libido is, is, is healthy. Then the sex that they have, you know, is pain-free. Then it's symptom-free. They don't have any problems afterwards. And so I just really, you know, like to me, it, it's um, our, our period and making sure that we have these healthy periods is, is, is the foundation of mm. that sexual health, you know? So I know you have, you know, a lot of audience in here interested in that, you know, in that pleasure and so forth, but it always starts with us, you know? And, and that's one thing that I really do love about your message. You know, it starts with us and our own, and our own health. Oh my God. Preach. Yes. All of it. <laughs> all right. So lovers, check her out. Steamy chick, follow her on Instagram. Like I said, I follow her and the accounts that she has from, uh, from her, clients are just inspiring. So I want to thank you again for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please head to eatplaysex.com to subscribe to the show, to connect with me and grab our sexy guides because our goal, mine and our every single guest that I have on here is to help you to eat, play and sex better. So you can improve your sex life, which what we've seen really improves every aspect of your life. And I'll see you next time on Eat, Play, Sex. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life. <laughs>